Hey guys, this is week two of the podcast series that we're doing. Uh, the, the series is called The Life of Jesus, and it goes through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, in just a minute, Sabrina's going to give us kind of a reminder or a review of what last week's podcast was on. Um, today we'll pick up in Mark 1, but with verse 14, and it's going to go all the way through to verse 45. So there's actually a lot more scripture today than what we had last week. Um, Sabrina, can you give us a quick review of what the first 13 verses were on last week? And then we'll try to just jump right in with uh, your scripture reading and we'll uh, go from there. Okay, so last week we learned how God used John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus to begin his ministry on earth. And um, that's, you know, that's what it's set up in those first 14 verses. Um, And so this week we're going to see how Jesus begins his teaching ministry and how the disciples and others respond to his teaching. And the you want to focus on, that's kind of the focus of these verses today is, what are the different ways that people are responding to Jesus's teachings? And like you said, I mean, we're going through quite a bit of scripture and Mark jumps around like he, he's not a details person. He's a tell the story and go to the next thing. So um, yeah. And we mentioned that last week, right? That he uses the word immediately over and over and over um, because he's given us the most condensed version of, of all of the four versions of the gospel that we get. Mark's is, um, really you know the shortest one and uh he just gets right to it but it is a lot of scripture um and we're going to try to keep these podcasts uh, around 30 minutes so we're going to jump into it and try to do our best to stay within the time frame okay so again we're reading mark chapter 1 verses 14 through 45 and i'm reading out of my um christian standard bible so i'm gonna go ahead and start After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat putting their nets in order. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. They were astonished at his teaching, because he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not like the scribes. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in their synagogue. He cried out, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit threw him into convulsions, shouted with a loud voice, and came out of him. They were all amazed, and so they began to ask each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, the news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon and Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they brought him—I'm sorry—they brought to him all those who were sick and demon-possessed. 
The whole town was assembled at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. Simon and his companion searched for him, and when they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. He went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him. Be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Then he sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news, with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but he was out in deserted places and they came to him from everywhere. As we had said a few minutes ago, I mean, he, Mark punches a lot of information into these, into these verses. And when you read these uh, same accounts in the other gospels, we get a lengthier um, description in some of them. And and it kind of spells some of these stories out a little bit more. Again, that's not, the purpose of Mark's gospel. He's trying to give us a very condensed and right to the point version. Um, so let's just go all the way back to verse 14 and we'll just kind of go through um, the verses and kind of uh, hopefully give some commentary and a little bit of conversation about it. And uh, we'll, we'll see where it all goes. Um, so verse 14 where it, it says that after John was arrested and Jesus went to Galilee preaching the good news. Um, so, you know, again, going back to last week, John the Baptist was paving the way for, for Jesus's ministry. And now after John has been taken into custody, Jesus goes into Galilee and sees uh, that, that his time. It actually even says, and the version of the, uh, uh, the translation that I have up is the NASB and the way they have uh, Jesus quoting it here. It says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the first thing that really stuck out to me in Jesus' statement there to believe the good news. Uh, I, th- didn't your translation say the good news or did it say the gospel? Um, the good news. Okay. So the good news or the gospel, either way, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. The first thing that stood out to me um, is that coming from a from you know a Southern Baptist background and growing up um, in the church and just people that that live in America mostly, 
like we we have some preconceived notions of what is the gospel and that can then get kind of loaded into the way that we're interpreting some of these verses um but i think we should maybe take a moment and just think about exactly what the gospel is um and to me uh, it's it's truly good news as it got translated in your version and the truly good news is that Jesus is God's chosen one right like he's the Messiah um, the very first the very first Christian sermon that we get in the book of Acts uh, when Peter um, is, is literally delivering what we assume is the very first sermon. He tells what the gospel means. He says, he, he's looking at the audience and he says, you conspired with the Romans to kill God's chosen Messiah, but God raised him from the dead and he is, you know, he's the true king of kings and lord of lords. So that is what the gospel is. And I think that, the, you know, we can sometimes... Um, load up the gospel to mean other things. Maybe you know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like we we have some other ideas sometimes. Um, you know it. Um, like salvation and things like that are obviously tied in with it. But the actual good news, the actual gospel, is that Jesus is Lord. I mean, that's what it is. It. Um, N.T. Wright wrote an entire book on this, and the and a one sentence summary of it. Like he said, the gospel isn't good advice. It's not a playbook on how to not sin. Like all of those things are part of the Bible. Those things are part of the whole thing, but that's not what the actual gospel is. The actual gospel is just simply the good news that Jesus is Lord. Right. So, um, and that, you know, um, so when Jesus says, repent, and, and believe in that good news. This is setting up what really the entire, um, the entire Jewish story that we have. And, and, you know, we all know how the story goes where eventually Jesus is arrested and um, he's, you know, uh, put to death on a cross. Um <clears throat> the what is going on here is, is Jesus is beginning to set an expectation of what it is that his ministry is all about. And when he says the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe this good news, he is saying something that really means a lot to the to the people that are listening to it. They, the Jewish people, have had an expectation for centuries. So just to wrap up the point about repent and believe the gospel, because I think it is a really important point to, to focus on for a few minutes. Um, when, when he says that, the audience, the Jewish audience, they would have very clearly understood what kingdom of God meant. They would have understood that repent didn't just... Rem- it didn't just mean to repent of your personal individual sins, although it means that it it means a larger thing in this context about the, uh, the Israelites 
and their role in the world, what things meant. Um, and, and, and so when Jesus comes along and says, God's new thing is happening, the thing that we've been expecting for all these years, this is it. The kingdom of God is at hand. They, they understand what he's talking about there. Um, and so that's the expectation that we should have when we read through the entire rest of the gospel. Um, and, and not just assume that we um, understand um, the words only within the context of the way that we sometimes emphasize them. They also, again, they also do mean the things that we talk about a lot, um, about heaven and about turning away from personal sin. But it, again, it really also means that Jesus's work is, is a very large thing that has to do with the entire um, culmination of, of where things had been leading in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so the next group of verses kind of bunched together would be um, the first disciples and how he is um, calling Simon and Andrew and then And then James and John, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're right. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. Um, Yeah, and that famous quote that that we all know, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? right? Yeah. These are guys who, you know, you can think of things even like in our world today. I mean, you know, instead of thinking of it as just fishermen 2,000 years ago, it wouldn't be all that different from any of us at, at our job. Um, and you have this expectation of something. And then this man comes along and he says, hey, you know, all those stories that your ancestors have told you and where our thing, you know, where our entire story is going, I'm, I'm that guy. Follow me. You know, that, that's essentially what Jesus is doing here. And these guys give up their um, Well, I mean, they, you're they talking about multi-generational, <clears throat> excuse me, like jobs so like your mm-hmm. fa- you know jobs that have been passed down mm-hmm. you know generation to generation and just how hard you know that would be to I mean not only did they get up and walk away from their jobs they walked away from their families they walked away from any comfort mm-hmm. and security they had because of that job because of their family um, mm-hmm. I mean they have literally given everything up to follow this man who's nobody even really knows yet mm-hmm. and when we get to the questions you know it'll um have some time to kind of reflect on that like why did they just get up and follow him what was it about him that they just were like okay yeah let's yeah yeah well you want to roll us into the next few verses then yeah um... so then the next section of verses um you know they go into Capernaum and right away he goes into the synagogues and starts preaching. And um, this is when the man with the unclean spirit approaches him and he knows who he is. The The demon inside knows exactly who Jesus is and Jesus rebukes him. So you want to go from there? Yeah. Well, there's one of the things that kind of stuck out to me there. Um, one is that we're beginning to see some very, very early hints of what it means 
to be the Messiah and what Jesus's ministry is going to be about. Um, and, you know, the things that we see in the prophets in the Old Testament about um, things being made right and, um, you know, things God redeeming his people and his world and, you know, all of these pointers that you see with the, um, with, with the Old Testament prophets, we're beginning to see the first little hints of it right here of what Jesus's ministry will be about and what it, what it'll be. And literally driving out um, evil, <laughs> driving out um, the work of the Satan um, is a part of that. Right. And yeah. then we see with the, with, I guess even really with the unclean spirit, but then also certainly um, as we get a little bit further down, um, with Simon's mother-in-law, you know, that, that healing of sicknesses, mm -hmm. um, is a part of it too. So, you know, it's, um, not just going to be, um, you know, a, a setting of, uh, because we have to keep in mind that the expectation that a lot of the people had was going to be a warrior king that was going to do um, that, that, that was going to be greater than David had been and is going to do something about the Romans. I mean, that's right. literally the, yeah. the main expectation that people have. Um, and so Jesus comes along and is saying that he is the Messiah and that the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he's not leading, you know, these verses don't go into right. all of a sudden he um, builds up a great army. Yeah. It's, oh, he is like driving out an unclean spirit, um, and, which is why we get the Paul later on when he says, you know, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but principalities right. and powers. Like that's kind of what he's meaning there, right? Yeah. Um, and you'll notice too, and we, I mean, I kind of mentioned this before I started reading the scripture, but like to kind of pay attention to how people react to his teachings. I mean, people are mm -hmm. flocking to him. Like there is mm -hmm. something about him, you know, they're amazed and they're just, it's one right after the other. And if, as we go on in these verses, you know, he can't get a moment of peace. I mean, because it's just everywhere he goes, somebody's bringing him more people in verse 33. It says the whole town was assembled at the door. And he's just going mm -hmm. through and healing as many, as many sick people as he can and driving out demons just left and right. I mean, because people are just finding him wherever he is and trying to get the help that they desperately need. Well, and it leaves me with a thought about us as, as Christians, as followers of Jesus. A lot of what our ministry maybe then should also be is focusing on helping the sick and the people that are in need and doing things to make um, the kingdom of God apparent to people, you know, and, right. and to, to meet people's needs and to show love to people instead of being concerned so much and consumed with a focus on what's going to happen with, you know, the next war or some kind of national, you know, we've got to do this because that's literally what the expectation was of, the vast majority of the people that lived in that society and they're waiting on a guy who's going to do that to do something about the, the Romans who were persecuting the Jewish people. And, and, you know, and then this man, Jesus comes along and because there were plenty of other people claiming to be some kind of a Messiah right. and they led up revolts and they started wars. And then, you know, they did all this kind of stuff and the Romans would always, um, you know, beat them down 
And then Jesus comes along and his ministry is he's healing people and he's meeting people's needs and meeting them where they're at. And that is drawing a massive audience that gets the whole that gets people interested right well, like that right well that's what brings people in loving and exactly. just like you said that that as the church that's what we need to be doing is you know mm-hmm. tending to the sick and you know those in need and that's what draws people in is the healing and him getting rid of demons but what keeps them there is his love for them and mm-hmm. you know so much the relationship that they end up having with him and so much so much more like yeah the healings that that brings you in and you're glad jesus can do that for you but mm-hmm. that's not what keeps you there that's yeah. not what keeps you following christ so now he goes into galilee and preaches and he takes the time to go pray in those in verses 30 35 through 38 yeah and we see that a lot too where jesus very often breaks away from the disciples and he goes to pray Right. Like that's this is not the only time Mm -hmm. that we see the gospel writers emphasize this. Jesus does this a lot. And um, as with everything else, I think that it's kind of a pointer to us about how important prayer is. And prayer is not designed just for us to um, demand something of God or to ask for something. I mean, those things are fine, too. Right. I mean, asking for our daily bread is is part of Lord's prayer. But we also see that really a lot of what Jesus is doing when he goes in these prayer in, into these secluded places and prays is he's asking for for wisdom and for learning because Jesus learns too. I mean the the gospel is clear that Jesus grew in his yeah, knowledge. He's, he's from still a, kid, a man. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um and so we also should be praying I think a lot, a large part of what our private prayers should be about when we're in those secluded places is to be praying for wisdom and guidance that may, that, that what we are doing in our um, daily lives and the things that we're seeking out, that those are things that align with God's will, mm-hmm. that those are things that are, um, you know, allowing us to take part in the kingdom of God, not that they're just... Um, you know, some sort of a, of a meet your physical needs or whatever. Although those things are fine to pray for too. I mean, especially when they're things that you might actually need. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, Jesus is, that's what he's doing when he's in secluded places. He's, he's praying for, for wisdom. Um, okay. And then the last group of verses is, um, about the man with leprosy that gets cleansed. So it's another healing. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and this time it's not healing of a, actually this is the, the most serious, I guess, of the healings. Um, well, I mean the, um, the other one was the mother-in-law with a fever. Yeah. So we get maybe the idea that she wasn't that sick. This man's probably really sick. Um, and, you know, whether he had, actual leprosy like the disease that we call leprosy today or whether he had a different type of skin disease because I've read before that they that the word used for leprosy 
um, uh, can mean multiple things. Multiple things. In, in but he had song. a skin disease. And so yeah. he would have been separated from his family. He would have been an outcast. Mm-hmm. So not only did he have a physical disease, he had a heart disease also because he's mm-hmm. feeling lonely and unwanted. I mean. Yeah. And the thing, and, and again, in Mark's gospel, we're just getting this real punch that just is, is very short and to the point. The other gospels really start to get more into this. But when Jesus says that he will heal this leper, he is not doing what a typical um, rabbi would have done, right? There's a whole different process for the way that you do these things. Um, And he even tells the man afterwards, after he's healed him, he says, go and um, show yourself to the priest and offer yourself for cleansing the way that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So you're getting a hint from Mark that Jesus is doing things a little bit different way than the way that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have uh, of that time would have thought was the standard way to go about it. Jesus is setting a new standard. He's not breaking the old Testament law or anything like that, but he is doing things in a pretty different way that causes a lot of controversy. And we see, we, you know, really see that as we get further into, um, into the gospel stories. Well, for one thing, the man says, if you are willing, he is so humble, Mm -hmm. you know, but he knows that if, if Jesus is just willing to make him clean, you know, Mm -hmm. he could make him clean. And Jesus doesn't just, tell him he's healed and let him walk off, which he can. I mean, he has done that, Mm -hmm. but Jesus touches the man, which is unheard Mm -hmm. of back then. They didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't make contact with people who had skin diseases or were sick. That was because then you were making yourself unclean. Like no one did that. Yeah. I think that is, it's the most beautiful part of all these verses that we've read. It's just, you know, Jesus reaching out his hand and touching him. And how often do we need to just feel like Jesus is just reaching out his hand and touching us and telling us he is willing. Absolutely. And it just, again, too, makes me think about just how much of an impact that Jesus's teachings and that the the church that was formed, um, how much of an impact that it has had on the entire world because the early church literally adopted this type of mentality. When the Jewish world nor the Roman Gentile world, neither one would have went in and tried to have healed a man with leprosy. That was not the way you did it, right? That was not the way you did it um, in either of those cultures. Right. But because they, they were sent outside the camp, right? And they, mm-hmm. they were, like you said, they were out lonely. But the early church picked up on what Jesus did. And, I mean, this is literally how two, three hundred years into Christianity that the concepts that we now take for granted, like hospitals and doctors and things, I mean, that's how these things came into being. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, we now, 2,000 years later, sometimes take for granted because not all doctors or nurses or 
whatever, or even Christians, or, or even a lot of them might not even be religious at all, but they're actually doing Jesus's teaching. They're li- they're living that out, whether or not they even realize it. Does that yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. Like that is just how much of an impact that Jesus is teaching, and then the church that was formed around Jesus has had on our world. And I think that sometimes we get down about, you know, how bad things are um, and how sometimes things are way off from um, the way that they should be. But we also should take a minute to think about things like that, that we literally have hospitals and people that risk their lives to, to heal people and to take care of people. And I mean, those are literally all concepts that we just simply would not have without I don't think we would have them without without the church. No, um, I just it, don't think that cult, that culture would have ever rationally came to that point. I just don't think that that, that would have ever been the way that we love people. Right. I just, I just don't think it would have been. And so he heals this man in this dramatic way mm-hmm. that people are going to notice, and yet he tells him, "Don't tell anybody." Um, mm-hmm. But the man, of course can't keep it to himself and he tells everybody because he's been healed in this great way and he can't help but proclaim it and spread it and to um you know so then that causes jesus to no longer have any um anonymity because he's he's now very well known and the message is just continuing to spread everywhere he goes Mm -hmm. and people are coming out from everywhere to find him up with some discussion questions <clears throat> all right so um what do you think caused simon andrew and the sons of zebedee to so readily quit their jobs to follow jesus and would you have done the same well i you know it's just speculation but i think that these guys were probably interested in seeing um their country or, you know, or their people, um, you know, regain the sort of status that they believed that they were supposed to have in the world. And so they saw a man come along that sounded like he had a little bit different way of doing it than what they were hearing from other people. Uh, and I think that maybe that, that piqued their interest and they were willing to take a, um, take a risk and, uh, and, and, see what Jesus was all about. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I have no idea because when it says, <laughs> would you have done the same? I mean, I, I hate to say it, but probably not. I'm, I, yeah. I, I don't do well with change and, <laughs> you know, uh, giving up everything at the drop of a hat and being mm-hmm. spontaneous is not really a word that describes me. So, um, I'm glad they did. Well, I think you know? I think though too that these are young men, and I think that a lot of times young men they probably you know they didn't have 
wives and children. Well, Simon and did yet. have a wife because we went. Well, to his that's true. Simon house. did. That's that's true. <laughs> Simon did. You're right. So, um, so that kind of puts him in a different boat for sure. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> literally, right? Oh, <laughs> um, but I think that that what I was going to say is I think a lot of times for young men, just generally speaking, that if somebody comes along that has something to say that we really can believe in and that sounds like it, it matters and that it can change things. I think that yeah. that's appealing. And a lot of yeah. times people can, okay. can, is that, you know, and so did, that, had was, they, that was kind of where I was Did they have that. a knowledge of who Jesus was when he just walked by and called him, they called them? I think, I think so. I think based on the way that you see it in the other gospels where the story is, um, a little bit more drawn out i think that you you get a better sense of that than you do in mark okay yeah all right what amazed the people in the synagogue about jesus and what would you have been most impressed with if you were there i think what most impressed the people in the synagogue was that jesus wasn't citing right what some previous rabbi before him or priest would have said or done he was speaking with authority as 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 if his authority was coming directly from god yeah he was Um, quoting himself (laughs) right and so that for the for the jewish people would have been the biggest thing that would have obviously mattered to the people in the synagogue for sure um I, i guess from a christian perspective us looking at it you know 2000 years later um i guess maybe just the fear and the knowledge that the demon had or the unclean spirit had um, of who jesus was and the fear that it had of jesus that's the part i guess maybe as a christian that uh stands out more to me um because the part of jesus speaking with authority that part i just already accept right so um yeah, that's the part that sticks out the most to me. Uh, we're going to do two more because of time. Um, the man okay. with the skin disease says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Why do you think the man says to him, if you are willing? And is there any significance for this statement? Well, I thought about that some, and it's probably something that I didn't know that it was one of the questions. I wish that I had maybe looked into that a little more because it is an interesting statement. And obviously Mark is trying to make a point there. I mean, he has a reason that he's emphasizing this, that the man said it. I'm not exactly sure though, what, what the reasoning is. Do you have a a good thought? Well, I pray this way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't really know why, but I know that several years ago, I mean, and you'll know this, but not everybody that's listening to this will know this, but my sister was very sick in the hospital and, you know, on her deathbed, basically. And I remember telling Amber, my other sister, I, I know God can heal her. I just mm-hmm. don't know if that's his will. I don't, I, mm-hmm. my concern is if, if he's not willing to heal her. I don't mm-hmm. doubt that he can. I know that God can do it. But is he willing? Is that a part of his plan? You know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, is to heal in that moment, right? right. Is that part of the plan? Yeah. Um, and that goes yeah. with other things besides healing, you know, but when we're seeking guidance and stuff, if, if you're willing, I mean. Well, and it also goes back to the, to the point of the secluded prayer, right? And looking for guidance and wisdom from God and understanding because, you know, Jesus prays a similar prayer in the garden of Gethsemane and says, like, if there's any way that this cup right. can pass, yeah. right? Like similarly yeah. thing. Right. And so sometimes maybe those, sometimes those things are just beyond our understanding. And I guess that's where we, um, you know, need to seek the, the peace that, uh, surpasses all understanding sometimes that's the best that we can get this side of heaven sometimes yeah but yeah i mean i think you're right i think that's good if you're if you're willing i mean that that makes sense for sure and then the last question that we'll talk about is why does even jesus need time to be alone and to talk to god and what do you mm-hmm. think um or i'm sorry how do you think he felt when the disciples came out and interrupted him with even more demands I can tell you that as a mother, (laughs) this is, I mean, you know, a daily occurrence when you're having prayer time um, or trying to hide the closet wherever you are for, you know, just a few moments of quiet time with Jesus. Um, Yeah. And Jesus later on rebukes them for doing that kind of stuff to, to him um, at times. And so, you know, I, I mean, I think it's a thing where you have to have a mixture of grace and hard teaching at some point. Like, hey, quit doing this, you know. Like, I think so, um, too, but I also think mm-hmm. those are little answers to prayers that are interrupting me, you know, that are yes, coming in. Yes, exactly. And... That's exactly right. And they have a, they have a need. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's um, – but five years from now, they probably should know better than to interrupt like that, too, right? Well, so, we'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so but, why why does even Jesus need time to be alone? Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of what we kind of what we were saying earlier. I didn't realize it was one of the questions. Yeah. But um, just that Jesus is uh, seeking out God's will too. It's part of the mystery of the incarnation of of fully man and fully God. Right. Yeah. He um, was man and we're designed for fellowship yeah. with God. We're designed to, yeah. to seek that. Um, well, and I always think about the story of him, the story of him as a little boy and he stays back at the synagogue and then his, um, you know, his right. mom is wondering yeah. where he's at and, and they get back and the, um, you know, the people are amazed at what he learned, what he knew that he's sitting there learning from those rabbis in that um in that story and then it and then the verse goes on to say that you know over the next few years jesus really grew in his in his wisdom and his knowledge of of it all you know so um you know i think it just it it speaks it's just the part of the mystery of of the incarnation yeah um yeah all right. Well, if you want to wrap us up with a prayer and then I'll give a preview for next week and we can finish this up. We will close it out. All right. Well, we hope you guys are enjoying the podcast and uh, we're going to try to get better with it each week. Um, and we're getting short on time. So 
we'll uh, close it out here in just a minute. Lord God, we we just uh, thank you, Lord, for the technology that we have to be able to do this. Lord, we just pray that um, these sorts of discussions will be helpful to the people that listen to it and know that it's helpful to us to uh, study it and discuss it with each other. And uh, we just pray, Lord, for guidance for our church uh, through this period of COVID-19. Help us to um, be able to continue to minister to each other until we get back to our normal services. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So next week, we're going to see how Jesus heals the man who is paralyzed and see how he accepts people who are non-believers. So we'll see you next time. Sounds great. See you next week.